We're going to be reading from Mark's Gospel, chapter 16. And um, tonight we're finishing the series in Mark. Can I hear an hallelujah? Can I hear, can I hear a hallelujah? You know, we've been doing this series for over 12 months now. It's been exciting, hasn't it? A journey through Mark with Jesus, through Mark's Gospel. And here we are in Mark chapter 16. Now, on Easter Sunday, I actually preached the first eight verses out of Mark chapter 16. The first eight verses. So tonight we're going to be looking at verses 9 to 20. All right, so if you've got your Bibles, Mark chapter 16 and verses 9 to 20. Starting from verse 9. I've got the NIV tonight, just a heads up if you've got your Bibles on your phones or your iPads or whatever. Mark chapter 16, verse 9 in the NIV. When Jesus rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had driven seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him and who were mourning and weeping. When they heard that Jesus was alive and that she had seen him, they did not believe it. Afterward, Jesus appeared in a different form to two of them while they were walking in the country. These returned and reported it to the rest. But they did not believe them either. Later, Jesus appeared to the eleven as they were eating. He rebuked them for their lack of faith and their stubborn refusal to believe those who had seen him after he had risen. He said to them, Go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. And when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. After the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was taken up into heaven and he sat at the right hand of God. Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere. And the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. And God add his blessing to the reading tonight. The end. This is the end, my friend. Is it really? I would ask you. Is it really? Let's turn to Mark chapter 16 and verse 9. And what we see here is uh, an ending of sorts. Uh, you might even have, you might have bottom bits in your Bible. Anyone got bottom bits in their Bible? Where it would say, it would say that from verse uh, 9 down to verse 20, uh, my, my NIV says this, the most reliable early manuscripts and other ancient witnesses do not have Mark 16, 9 to 20. But it's in there. It's in your Bible. If you've got a King James version, that wouldn't say that there. It would just, just go on as normal. Now, it's interesting because... Lots of people have different ideas about the end of Mark's gospel, except Mark, obviously, and the Holy Spirit. But I wonder, 
I wonder, yep, I wonder if we can learn something tonight about this gospel. Now, we've been through Mark, as I said earlier. We've been through this, this gospel of Mark for over 12 months. And I want to take you now to the first verse of Mark. If you've got your Bibles, why don't you flick there with me? Mark chapter 1 and verse 1. The beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. That's it, verse 1. The beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It's only the beginning. What Mark has set out to prove is exactly what he set out to prove. That Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he finishes in verse 8 with the empty tomb and people in amazement, in wonder. But from verse 9 down to 20, what we have here is, is a recap of the other Gospels as well, giving us an ending that rounds out the story. So, for example, have a look at verses 9 through to 11. 9 through to 11, we see when Jesus rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had driven seven demons. Now, this is taken from John chapter 20 and verses 10 to 18. Why don't we turn there? John chapter 20 verses 10 to 18. Then the disciples went back to their homes, but Mary stood outside the tomb, crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said. I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. But she did not realize that it was Jesus. Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, please tell, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned around and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet returned to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am returning to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. Now, I think that's really, really interesting to begin with because we started that verse 10 with the disciples went back to their homes. You see, what we see is some women and two disciples, Peter and John, and they see an empty tomb. They see an empty tomb. But Mary's the first one to see the risen Jesus. You see, Jesus could have gotten there early and showed up to the disciples he could have told them, hey, showed, could have showed himself to them, but he chose to wait. I think that's beautiful. 
he chose to wait and he revealed himself in the person to Mary. And we see here in Mark's gospel, at the end of Mark's gospel, that Mary was the one out of whom he had driven seven demons. What a story this woman would have. What a, what a rap sheet this woman would have of, of her past, her demons in her past, and how she decided that following Jesus was more important. And she got to the point where she was honored by God as the first person to see the risen Christ. I think it's beautiful that God would choose a woman. You know why? Because in that day and age, a woman's testimony in court was worth nothing. See, this isn't, this isn't some sort of, you know, takeover by the disciples or the early church to say, hey, let's, let's try and change the story, even though we really know Jesus died and he didn't come back to life again. Let's change the story so that people in the future will believe it. No, they wrote the truth. Why would they want to have a woman as the first witness? They wouldn't if they were trying to mislead people or make up a story, which is what a lot of people believe these days. Why would they have a woman as the first witness? And Mary, we see, is a first witness of Jesus' resurrected body. She's seen Jesus. She thought he was the gardener to start with. She didn't quite recognize him until he spoke her name. I think that's beautiful because what Jesus really is about in your life and my life is not so much about he just wants, he just wants to call your name, have a relationship with you. He wants that interaction and uh, for, for people everywhere around this world, they don't need to be, they don't need an argument on what's true, and what's not, what's false, what's, you know, some sort of diplomatic argument or religious argument. They just need an experience of the risen Christ. Amen. As all, all of us do. He's alive. He's alive and he revealed himself to Mary. It's beautiful. And so he's revealed himself to Mary, we see in Mark. She went and told those who had been with him and who were mourning and weeping. So she's the first evangelist. She's gone to see these disciples to say, hey, I've seen the risen Christ. She's like an apostle, so to speak. When they heard that Jesus was alive and that she had seen him, they did not believe her. They did not believe. They didn't believe. And then we get to verse 12 and 13. Is what we see here is, an, is a snapshot out of Luke chapter 24. You know that story of the two disciples that are leaving Jerusalem and they're on their way to Emmaus and they, their heads are down and they're just so disappointed. They thought that Jesus was the Messiah and now he's been crucified and he's been buried and that's the end and they've got to figure something else out now. And they, talk, they start talking with this guy on the road and little do they know that it's Jesus. They don't know it's Jesus, but it's him, right? And so he starts talking to them and and uh, you can read that yourself if you like in, in Luke chapter 24. But it says in verse 12 and 13 of Mark 16, it says, Afterward, Jesus appeared in a different form to two of them while they were walking in the country. And these returned and reported it to the rest. So he's revealed himself again to two other men. And so they've gotten this message. They've heard the news. They've seen the risen Christ. And then they've gone and told somebody else. And they didn't believe. They went to the other disciples, the rest of them, and they did not believe them either. You know, we sometimes give poor old Thomas a bad rap for not believing, but pretty much everyone that I know won't believe until they see. 
They won't believe until they experience something or if, until God does this, I'm not going to believe or until something happens here, I'm not going to believe. It, you know, if, if my relative dies of cancer, I'm not going to believe in God because he would love, if he's a loving God, this wouldn't happen. You know, and we, we have this, if this happens, then I will believe mentality. But Jesus here is trying to get them to believe or them to think as I think he is us too, is that when it comes to Christianity, like truly following Jesus, it's about believing first and then seeing. It, it's faith. It's faith first. Faith must come first. When it comes to the risen Christ and believing that he died and rose again for our sins, we have to believe that first. And then we experience the wonderful forgiveness of sin and the, the weight lifting off our shoulders and, and the beautiful life that he gives us, the abundant life, the Holy Spirit in filling us and, and guiding us and, and growing us in holiness more and more and the hunger that he brings with the gifts that he gives us and the, reading the Bible. Then that stuff happens, but it first starts with the seed of faith. And here we see the end of Mark's gospel. These guys just don't believe the message. They're not listening to someone else. They're not listening to a woman. They're not listening to two other disciples. They want to see for themselves. So what happens next is in verse 14 onwards, we take this from Luke as well. Luke's gospel has this same scenario in verse 14. Uh, Luke 24 and verse 36 onwards is this scenario. Um, Later, Jesus appeared to the 11 as they were eating. He rebuked them for their lack of faith. You see, they wouldn't believe Jesus even while he was in their midst until he ate some fish, right? Until he ate some broiled fish, then their, then their eyes were open, they believed. He, he, and here in, in Mark, he rebuked them for their lack of faith and their stubborn refusal to believe those who had seen him after he had risen. They struggled to believe the message until they had seen the Lord face to face. Face to face, isn't that a catchphrase today in today's language? I know, you know, hope to, hopefully we're meeting again next weekend in church face to face. <laughs> but that's what, that's, that's what they needed. They needed to come face to face with the risen Christ. Let's go on to verse 15, shall we? It's like a little Bible study, isn't it? So in verse 15, it says, Jesus said to, the, uh, to them, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Uh, this, is, this, is taken, uh, this, this is the same as Matthew's um, Great Commission out of Matthew chapter 28 the same thing. It's the same event recorded there of Jesus commissioning his disciples to preach the gospel, to share the good news with everyone. And anyone who believes and is baptized is saved. Anyone who is not, anyone who is not, does not believe will be condemned. You notice there that he doesn't say anyone who does not believe and does not be baptized. You see, it's not baptism that saves us. It's believing that saves us believing. That's all God has ever really wanted from any of us, just to believe. You know, Jesus shared a story once and he finished it by saying, when the Son of Man comes back to earth, will he find faith 
on the earth. That's all he's looking for. He's just looking for faith. You know, there's stories in Mark chapter 5 we looked at a long time ago in our series where there were people that had faith and they got Jesus' attention. There was, there was Jairus. He had faith. He got Jesus' attention. There was the woman with the bleeding issue. Even though Jesus didn't see her with his physical eyes, he turned and noticed her because of her faith. It was faith that, that, that raised Jairus' daughter back from death. It was faith. And Jesus always goes with his faith. And he's looking for faith even after his resurrection. He's looking for faith in his disciples of all people. And then we go on in verse 17 and 18. And these signs that Mark writes about or that are written in Mark. It's interesting, isn't it? Some of these, we don't like to talk about them because they're weird. And I get it. All these signs will accompany those who believe in my name. They will drive out demons. Well, we've seen that happen in Acts. They will speak in new tongues. That happens in Acts. They will, they will pick up snakes with their hands. Well, that, Paul did that. Maybe they're talking about Paul when he was at Malta. And when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them. Now, we can't read anything about that in the Bible. Um, sadly, some people have put these sorts of things into practice to test God. And uh, that's not a good thing. That's not a good thing. And they will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. We, we read about that in Acts all the way through the New Testament, in fact. And in fact, even today, the Lord is still doing those sorts of things through people who believe. And then we get to verse 19 and 20. After the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was taken up into heaven and he sat down at the right hand of God. Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere and the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. And that's just all in Acts. You can read about that in Acts. How Jesus ascended to the right hand of God and the disciples went out in the power of the Holy Spirit and God and Jesus was with them. You know, at the end of Mark's and Matthew's gospel, he says, and yea, I am with you to the very end of the age. Jesus is with you. He's, he's in it with you. He's with you right now watching this. He's with you. You know, that's the end of Mark's gospel. Mark ends it officially, as I said before. Mark ends it officially in verse 8, I believe. Uh, and, and he begins it in verse 1 of chapter 1. That's the beginning of the gospel. And he finishes it officially in verse 8 of chapter 16, I believe. And the last word in verse 8 is, well, let's have a look at it. In verse 8, trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. Afraid. Phobio is the word. Now, why would Mark want to finish his gospel with that phrase? Well, because his job's done, I think. He's set out to prove something, and the, and the tomb is empty. And the angel is there and declares that Jesus has risen again. So, job done. Don't you just love it when people get to the point, and then they go on and on and on? Other kinds of people. I love him. Mark's one of those. He's an action guy. He's into it. He's like, let's just get the, the facts out of the way. Let's prove the point and move on with, with what's really important. Not the beginning of the gospel, but the end of the gospel. 
All the way through Mark, we see this word phobio used in different settings. And I just wanted to give you some, you know, just if you want to take notes. In chapter 5 and verse 33, the woman with the bleeding, she fell at Jesus' feet afraid. And down in verse 36, he was speaking to Jairus and Jesus said, don't be afraid, just believe. And in chapter 10 and, and verse 32, we see astonishment and fear. I've got it here, chapter 10 and verse 32. They were on their way up to Jerusalem with Jesus leading the way and the disciples were astonished while those who followed were afraid. Again, he took the 12 aside and told them what was going to happen to him. He's on his way to the cross. He's on his way to Jerusalem. Uh, chapter 6, sorry, chapter 5, verse 15. People uh, people were afraid of seeing this demoniac man healed. You know, this man that's come out and Jesus has healed him. And it says that he's sitting there in his right mind and clothes. And as when the people saw that life changed, that man changed, they were afraid. They were struck with awe. All right. So you, uh, uh, where else are we? Uh, chapter 4, verses 39 to 41. The disciples... When Jesus is walking on the water, sorry, not walking on the water. Mark chapter 1, verse 39. He got up and rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Be quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to the disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified, that's the word, and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obeyed him. They weren't terrified like they wanted to run away. They were terrified in the fact that they said, who is this? There's something going on here with Jesus that doesn't make sense to the natural world. All right. So that's the idea that this word brings. And so here we see at the end of Mark, there's a few others. If anyone wants the notes, I'll give you the, I'll give the other references. But at the end of Mark, we see here these women, they're, they're, in, they're in fear, not because they're afraid and they want to run away, but they're just in awe that, that Jesus is more than just a man. Something's going on that doesn't make sense. And, it, and it's just bigger than anything. The grave is empty. The tomb is empty. Jesus is alive. He's risen again. There's no body there. It's not like Jesus turned into a spirit or anything. His body was resurrected back to life forever, forever. And they were in awe of that. So there's a couple of things we could do here with this. But I want to ask you the question. We know, we know the beginning of the Gospel of Mark. But what's the ending of it? I want to ask you the question, what's the ending? How are you going to finish the Gospel of Mark? I mean, we're finishing the text tonight. But how does the, how does the story finish? How does your story finish? How does the impact of what we've learned about Jesus throughout this whole series, how does that impact your life and your story in God's history? Does it bring you to a place of awe? And wonder? 
I've heard it say, I've heard it uh, be said before that true mission follows from true worship. You know, like when you're in a place of awe and wonder at God and you're just in worship of Him and you're just throwing the weight of worth upon God in, in worship and just in awe of Him, what usually happens next is some form of mission, some form of obedience, some form of ministry, some form of the Holy Spirit using the gift that He's given you to do something to bring Him more glory. From true worship comes true mission. And the beauty about Mark's abrupt ending, I believe, in verse 8, is that believers ever since have endeavored to finish the story. Not so much with text on a page, but a life of faith etched into the pages of history. And we hear about Mark. Mark wrote this Uh, John Mark, his name was, he wrote this in about 60 AD, somewhere in there. But before he wrote this, he was actually on a journey himself. He was on a journey to a mission with Paul and Barnabas. Barnabas was Mark's cousin, and they were on a mission. They were set set apart by the Holy Spirit to be sent out. And somewhere along the way, Mark decided, I can't do this. I need to come back to Jerusalem. And what happened there was a rift between Barnabas and Paul. And they ministered there, but then they came back. And when they were doing another mission trip, Barnabas wanted to take Mark with them. But Paul said, no way. Mark left us last time. Why would we want to take him? And so Paul and Barnabas had 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 an argument and they parted ways. And, and, And if you did some research and some digging, what you'll find is that this Mark goes off the scene a bit, but we see him coming up in some other writings in the New Testament. So maybe like a dozen years later, we see Paul writing to Timothy or to the church in Colossae saying, I want, I want Mark with me. I want, Mark is with me in this. He's an encouragement. And he's, and he's talking about how great Mark is for him in his ministry. And I guess why I'm sharing that with, with you, and I feel like we need to share it together tonight, is that, you know what, God's not finished with your story. Like, you might mess up, you might be afraid, and you might want to leave the mission, so to speak. But God's not finished with your story. He's not finished with His story, and using you as part of that. We can read, we could, I could bring up all these kinds of people in the Old Testament that had failings, that messed up. But God used them in amazing ways. I mean, just think of Moses, a murderer. But God used him to bring deliverance. You know, he had a repentant heart, and so God could use him. David, just a shepherd boy. But God used him, and he finished his story. David messed up with Bathsheba, but still, God wasn't finished with him. Because David's heart was repentant, and, and, and God could finish his story. So I want to ask you the question, well, first of all, we've finished Mark's gospel now. We've done every single verse in Mark's gospel. How are you going to finish the story? What are you going to put into place this week or this month or this year or tonight? What sort of prayers are you going to pray? How is this impacting your life as a believer in your town tonight? 
let's come before the Lord in prayer. And let's, let's come before the Lord in awe and wonder at his goodness in our life. Father, we thank you so much that you have given us the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus, that someone somewhere could be bothered to share that wonderful news with us. It could have been a relative, Lord, or it could have just been someone down the street or someone we work with. They could have done it with words. It could have been a number of people doing it with words or with their life. But Lord, someone shared the gospel with us. And we're so thankful for that. We're so thankful that that person was obedient to finish the story, to finish the gospel, the good news of Jesus. And Lord, we just want to thank you so much that even though we mess up sometimes or, or we feel like we're not good enough or we're not brave enough or we're not gifted enough or we're not extroverted enough, Lord, we just thank you so much that you are and that you're the one who finishes this story. And thank you so much, Lord, for the promise tonight that Jesus went with the disciples. He worked with them as they went. And so, Lord, I pray that you just instill in us a real confidence to trust you, Lord, a real boldness in our heart to go. And as we go, knowing that Jesus is working with us. Thank you, Lord, for the, for the stories that we're hearing about people uh, getting more uh, in touch with you or people coming to know you. And Lord, we just want to pray for more of that, Lord, especially in our towns. And we just thank you, God, that you're not finished with any of us and our stories. And Lord, our prayer is that as we worship you truly, that there'd be true mission from that. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.